everybody welcome into a ultimate crossover right here on the lockdown podcast network your team every day this is louis dibiase of lockdown eagles welcome in and i'm very excited to get this going here and we started with the eagles just because of course they finished first place in the nfc east in 2019 i'm joined by patricia Trena of lockdown giants marcus mosher of lockdown cowboys and chris russell of lockdown redskins and while guys we were kind of kidding about it before how i'd start up just because the Eagles finished in first place uh, this regular, this past regular season. It's not totally something to really gloat about considering how up and down this division was probably the weakest in 2019. I mean, the Eagles won it at nine and seven and they had to run the table in the East at the end just to punch their ticket with 18 players on injured reserve. Carson Wentz is throwing to practice squad players up and down. What were your initial thoughts just overall of the division last year because it was so, I mean, at one point you think, all right, clearly this is Dallas. I felt like when Philadelphia lost to Miami and dropped to five and seven, like, all right, the Cowboys are controlling this. And then they had a mini collapse of their own down the stretch. I mean, it was a, it was a wild year for this division that normally is always under the spotlight in the NFL. They don't call it the NFC least for nothing. And I think yeah. the fact that you have three teams in the division with new coaching staffs just shows you just how this, Division has deteriorated. Now, with that said, there are three interesting staffs. Ron Rivera down in Washington, um, Joe Judge, who's a newcomer in, with the Giants, and Mike McCarthy in Dallas. So I think brighter days are ahead for the division. But, yeah, I mean, the last few years has just been some ugly football coming out of the division. Yeah, I mean, Patricia said it best. I mean, that, I mean that's what I refer to it, right, the NFC least. But remember, this is the NFL, guys, right? San Francisco stunk last year mostly because of injury when they were 4-12, and and then they were in the Super Bowl this year and really should have won it. So that we, know, we all know this, right? This is a league that you can go from really good to really bad in a hurry. You can go from really bad to really good in a hurry. And obviously there's some variance in between. So with these three new coaching staffs, uh, and of course the venerable Doug Peterson and the Eagles coaching staff and Louie, I, I, I think you just, you just wanted to be ahead of everybody else. I, I think you wanted to leave us, uh, in the dust. It has nothing to do with the fact that, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles won the division. I think you just wanted to go first. Um, you know, because you guys have the most stability, I mean, obviously it, it it's not like you have the, the, the big target on your back that you had, you know, recently defending a Super Bowl. Right. But I think everybody is going to say, okay, you know what? In order to win the division, in order to get a home game, in order to guarantee us a playoff game, we've got to go through Philadelphia. Well, that's the thing, too, is you look at this division, it's weird. I mean, the NFC, NFC least a very popular nickname for this division around the league, but at the same time, from 2010 up until 2020, the last decade, I mean, you've seen, well, even going back a few years before that, the Giants have won two Super Bowls since I can remember, the Eagles win in 2017, and yet it's always a division that, regardless of who the champion is, is always a back-and-forth battle. I mean, for Philadelphia, they had to you know, win in overtime against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football, then with 30 seconds left, throw a game-winning touchdown in Washington, and then you had to beat Dallas at the link and then head to MetLife to take down the Giants. So regardless of, you know, how strong these teams are during the regular season, 
it's always close, really, or how weak they are. Even this year, it was oh, it was down to the wire once again. So that's something that I feel like, although Philadelphia may be the favorite again heading into 2020, it's never a division where one team normally wins it by, you know, three, four games. What's interesting about a new coaching staff, and again, th- three teams with new coaching staffs, is how did, are they going to function? Usually I have seen you know, instances where a new coaching staff comes in and they kind of can take the rest of the teams in the division by surprise. Now, what I'm looking forward to seeing is with three, and I think the NFC East is the only division where there's that many new coaching staffs um, going into 2020, just how much tighter the competition is going to be this year. Yeah, and the other thing I would add about the division, it's it's interesting that uh, aside from three new coaches, uh, it's also a really young division in terms of quarterback play. Like Carson Wentz mm-hmm. is the oldest quarterback in this division at 26 years old, that, and that's incredible. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, over the next couple of years, there's going to be a lot of change in this division. I, I, I certainly don't see one team uh, sticking at top of the division for the next two or three years, and I think that's going to be fascinating in itself. Well, the thing is, too, with – I don't know what we're talking about with the three teams outside of the Eagles all have new head coaches in 2020, but even Philadelphia, while they have a lot of continuity, they're continuing with this same core that won a championship. Although there's going to be a lot of changes, especially at wide receiver this year, cornerback, I think up front too, Jason Peters will likely be gone. So, there's some change in Philadelphia, too, and while there is continuity, you look at the coaching staff, while you guys, your three teams have new coaches, the Eagles themselves made some adjustments there. Mike Groh, the offensive coordinator the past two years, is out. Their wide receiver coach from last year, Carson Walsh, is out. They brought in Rich Scangarello, who was the Denver Broncos OC last year, to bring in a new fresh mind to the offensive coaching staff. They did not hire a offensive coordinator. They instead promoted Press Taylor, who was their quarterback coach, coach to pass game coordinator, their offensive line coach, Jeff Stoutland, to run game coordinator. So even Philadelphia themselves in the coaching tree has kind of switched it up a little bit to change because although they won the division last year and made the playoffs for the third straight year, again, they had to run the table down the stretch, and there were a lot of lulls during the season that, to me, a lot of it had to do with Doug Peterson just did not have the strongest staff, and of course, they just couldn't stay healthy, but I think it was a combination of everything. So Philadelphia has a lot of change that they need to make this offseason as well. Yeah, and, and and I'll just jump in here. You know, sometimes change is good, right? I mean, that's what, you know, look, sometimes change, it, it takes time to get used to what exactly you're trying to get across from a coaching standpoint or uh, for players to mesh together and kind of have that chemistry. But sometimes change freshens things up, you know, and uh, sometimes it's necessary. Obviously, in Washington, it was beyond necessary. Uh, I, I, you know, I think in Dallas, it, it was necessary. I don't know if it was beyond necessary or I wouldn't describe it as beyond necessary. I think Patricia would say it was beyond necessary with the Giants. I don't want to speak necessarily uh, for her. But, Louie, you know, with Philadelphia, I I mean, you know, again, this is a team that just won a Super Bowl a year and a half ago. So Mm -hmm. it's amazing how stale this league gets and how quickly things change. And obviously a lot of personnel changes, but sometimes a fresh a couple of fresh faces light a fire under people because those fresh faces are going to have a different way of doing things, not only in games, but also in practices and in the building. And it might just be enough to kickstart somebody who maybe got a little stale and a little bit dry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask you guys too. 
Oh, sorry, Patricia. Let me ask you too, because from our perspective, those fresh players, although they were practice squad guys down the stretch, um, I thought they actually really helped rejuvenate the offense, specifically in Carson Wentz. And look, there's a national perspective about Carson Wentz, and there's a local one. There, you know, the whole Nick Foles Carson Wentz debate over the past couple of years, I think, was put to rest now. But the injury, the injury prone label, you know, he gets hurt after the first couple series in the wild card round. But to me, like in Philadelphia now, he's kind of earned that the respect of the city and that team where he put them on his back and got them into the postseason. But there's still a stigma about him nationally. I wonder what it is, what your guys' perspective on Carson Wentz is from a division rivalry perspective. Well, considering you guys have owned the Giants for God knows how long, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it just doesn't seem to matter. But, but no, seriously, Carson Wentz, I think for the type of system that Doug Peterson is trying to run out there, I think he's a good fit for that. And, and just, you know, I, it, correct me if I'm wrong here. He has had injury issues, I think, that have kind of gotten in the way of him really reaching his full potential. They might have maybe delayed him uh, with with uh, taking those next steps and whatnot. But I, I think he's a really good young quarterback. I think, you know, you add a few more pieces to, to upgrade that offense, and and uh, I, I think you're going to have something there. I'll chime in on my end, on the Redskins end. Um, you, you know, when it comes to Carson Wentz, the thing that the Redskins defense has always struggled with, and I'm sure you guys have had similar experiences uh, to this, at least Marcus with the Cowboys uh, and Patricia with the Giants, is, you know, the Redskins seem to have a pretty good beat on a guy like Carson Wentz, but they cannot contain him. He cannot, uh, they cannot just kind of, you know, like they'll extinguish some of the fire and they'll spray all the stuff that comes out of the fire extinguisher, but the fire still keeps going and it's like little brush fires. And then Carson is just running around, breaking pocket, breaking contain and chucking one down the field and making a play, you know, that you're not supposed to make. And that's the area that they have struggled with specifically against him. I think it'll be really interesting as he gets older in his career and obviously the injuries have been an enormous problem. We know major injuries and now the concussion, which knocks him out early of the playoff game. And obviously that's a major injury, but it's not the same as a torn ACL and, and the back surgery. I think it'll be interesting to kind of see how he adjusts, maybe by not using his legs so much, by not uh, putting himself in that peril, and then how teams kind of counter that. If you look, and I, again, I can just speak for the Redskins, Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera, they're going to spend all this offseason during these dead times when they have a good feel for their team, say after the draft and whatever, getting ready for a guy like Carson Wentz. How do we keep him in the pocket? How do we not have, let him break contain? How do we not let him hold on to the football for four and a half, five seconds so that he breaks down our coverage? That's what they're going to be working on. Yeah, and I'll just chime in from a Cowboys perspective. There's certainly a, a healthy rivalry between – Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott, both of those That's guys right, coming yep. in in the 2016 draft. Uh, you know, Cowboy fans here uh, in Dallas, they they you know they maintain that Prescott's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure that's true. I think these guys are both incredible quarterbacks, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what Carson Wentz looks like going forward. Um, I, I imagine they're going to rebuild that wide receiver core over the offseason. Uh, I, I'm not sure that the guys that they had there last year with Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar uh, maybe fit him as well as they, they need right. to. 
so it's going to be interesting to see what Doug Peterson in that front office does to help out Carson Wentz this offseason. Yeah, look, this is a player that last year had 4,000 yards, first time in Philadelphia Eagles history. It's also the first time a quarterback's done that without a receiver surpassing 500 yards. So Howie Roseman, the Eagles general manager, has his hands full this offseason trying to build around that because while he did get hurt in the playoffs, he played 16 games. I thought he picked and chose his spots way better about being aggressive and when to stay in the pocket as the season went on along. So uh, it's it's a big offseason for the Eagles for sure. We're going to take one quick break, and on the Eagles' focus of this ultimate NFC East crossover, we will wrap it up. Coming up next, Louis DiBiase, Patricia Traina, Marcus Mosher, and Chris Russell joining you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships them direct, so they're cheaper than even a pharmacy would have. Right now, we have a special offer offer for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code NFL. Just pay $5 of shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code NFL to try it for free. All right, everybody, welcome back in. This is the final segment of the Eagles portion of the Ultimate NFC East crossover right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. we got all four hosts here of the NFC East podcast joining you, and we're getting into the Eagles who won the NFC East last year in 2019. So, guys, let me ask you, because we, we were really focusing on Carson Wentz specifically last segment and how the Eagles are one of the – really the only team that has a lot of continuation in their coaching staff heading into 2020. What about personnel, though? I mean, from a personnel perspective, I don't know if it's all that far off. Yeah, you can talk about quarterback with Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins. They're not quite to the level of where Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott are. But overall, I mean, you look at, yeah, the Eagles are strong up front on the offensive and defensive line, but they have huge holes at receiver and corner and linebacker. I feel like Outside of, of course, the most important position quarterback, these rosters aren't, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to say they're super close, but I don't think it's where one team is clearly just blowing away the other in, in talent across the board. Yeah, I would add that the, the secondary for the Eagles is probably the, maybe the biggest weakness of any, uh, one single yep. unit uh, in the entire division. I agree. Uh, it's, just, it's, a, it's been a spot that's haunted them for a while. And with Ronald Darby scheduled to hit free agency and Jalen Mills, I think it's fair to expect a total turnover there in Philadelphia uh, with the cornerbacks at the very least. So uh, from a Cowboys perspective, I'm going to be interested to see who they bring in there. Maybe they even bring in somebody like Byron Jones from the Cowboys to help stop Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Uh, I'll certainly have my eye on that uh, spot going forward. Yeah, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Marcus, because I was trying to think, how many different makeovers of the secondary are we going to have? I mean, Patricia got a first-round pick 
uh, in DeAndre Baker last year, but the Redskins are ripping apart their secondary uh, as well. Sure, they added Landon Collins last year, you know, but 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 all of these teams, Philadelphia, Dallas, the Redskins, and I guess you know certainly still the Giants are going to have completely different looks, and, and we don't, we all know it's a passing league. And then you look at you know just the other kind of units, right? And and you know just leaving quarterback aside, uh, I, I mean I I don't know I I still think like when I think of the Eagles. You know, going back to them, you start everything with that defensive line, right, and that pass rush. And, you know, are they the best? I mean, in my eyes, they they, they are, right? They're still the best. And that's where they're going to have to win football games uh, on the defensive side. And, and and you know, you're going to have to make sure that you have enough depth there, enough depth there, and to bolster that area because you're going to have some openings. You're going to have some, uh, some holes. Uh, and you just mentioned a bunch of them on the back end, and I think that's how a lot of these teams are built. I know that's how the Redskins are built right now on defense. And from a Giants perspective, for me, it all starts in the pit. And, you know, I look at the Giants, the offensive line last year, some talent was there, yes, but they could really, you know, they can use a boost, uh, especially on the offensive tackle spot. On the defense, the defensive line actually didn't play too badly, considering that they were a young group. Now, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Leonard Williams if he comes back, but I think in terms of the pit, which is where it all starts, I think potentially the Giants, um, you know, I, I think there's going to be an upgrade there, hopefully in the competition level, and that's where I'd like to see them really play better, especially against Wentz and company, because you know, too all too often, the Giants let quarterbacks run like like the wind. You know, they don't contain; yeah. they let these guys out, and you know, it, it just. They, I think the Giants led the league or were up there in the top three and on biggest plays allowed, and that's because quarterbacks had all day to throw the ball. So I think you know, with some upgrades on their end, they can potentially compete with the Eagles. Louis, yeah, if we cool. have if, oh, yeah, if we have a, a minute, I just wanted to jump in. I mean, Marcus kind of mentioned Ronald Darby. Uh, do you see Rodney McLeod coming back? Um, how do you think they I, handle? And we were talking about up front, Vinnie Curry, Tim Jernigan. You know, those guys are free agents. How do you kind of see that shaking out? Yeah, I think it's Holly Roseman has some interesting decisions for the secondary. I think Ronald Darby is likely out. Jalen Mills, Jim Schwartz loves Jalen Mills. I'm not really a big fan of him in the starting lineup still. They might bring him back if they can't lure in another bigger free agent. But to me, if I had to predict what happens in the secondary right now, I say Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins come back. They do not have a safety right now waiting in the wings to take over one of those two spots. And they love using at least three safeties on the field. Most of the time, they really do not prioritize linebacker in this defense. So I think both safeties are back because Malcolm Jenkins also wants a new contract. And as for the defensive line, I think Vinnie Curry had a – really underrated season. I think he'll be back, but I think Tim Jernigan will likely move on wanting more of an opportunity to play because the Eagles do have Malik Jackson returning uh, from injury. Last thing I'll say to guys before we wrap up this Eagles portion of the ultimate NFC East crossover, the Eagles, again, I, I think should be favorited heading into this season. However, I mean, all three teams I would love to steal talent from. I mean, the Cowboys specifically, they have one that I would love to grab in Byron Jones, who's a free agent at cornerback. I mean, with Washington, Terry McLaurin tore the Eagles secondary up last year. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a perfect 
the, he's the exact type of player the Eagles are looking for this offseason. Some speed to stretch the field because we saw what Carson Wentz did to Washington with Deshaun Jackson in the only game he got to play with him last year. And, you know, for the Giants as well, I mean, yeah, they have Miles Sanders, but you look at a guy like Saquon Barkley, you look on the defensive side, the interior of that defensive line, there's, there's pieces across the board where, from an Eagles perspective, I'm saying, I don't think it's that far off where I'd love to steal some talent from all three of these teams. You can have Byron Jones. I'm sure he'll be on the free agent market. Please overpay him. Please do that. I don't do know, that. man. I, I, like, I love him as a talent, but I am so terrified with the, what the Eagles have done over the past to pay any sort of corner real money. I just see nightmares of Namdi Asimo and Byron Maxwell in my head. <laughs> and that's what happens in free agency, right? You, yeah. you overpay for pretty good players. You pay, pay these guys elite salaries, and you don't always get that production back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was a great conversation, guys. It's the first portion of the Ultimate Crossover right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to take a focus on Lockdown Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, of course, with Marcus Mosher. Louis DiBiase here with you of Lockdown Eagles. Patricia Traina of Lockdown Giants. As I said, Marcus Mosher of Lockdown Cowboys and Chris Russell of Lockdown Redskins. Guys, before we wrap up, let's just give our Twitter plugs real quick and where you can find our content. Of course, you can Follow me on Twitter at DBSELOE. Subscribe to Lockdown Eagles on any podcast platform or on LockdownEagles.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trainer. You can find my writings at GiantsCountry.com, which is an SI.com sports channel. Go ahead, Marcus, because I'm always bringing up the rear uh, in the <laughs> NFC League. <laughs> ah, that's perfect. Uh, you guys can follow us at Lockdown Cowboys. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. My co-host, Lena McCool, who could not be here uh, for this episode at McCool BCB. Make sure you guys check us out uh, on all the shows on the podcast network. Yeah, I'm uh, merely Chris Russell. Uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter at RussellMania621. But if you just want Redskins content, it's at Locked Redskins. Uh, because otherwise you'll get a bunch of other stuff, me complaining about traffic and uh, talking a lot about Alex Ovechkin. Um, but also read me at redskinsreport.com, like Patricia, part of the SI uh, network and SI.com. So I've got a lot of uh, Redskins coverage over there. And as well, of course, we all, right, do the Google uh, updates and Google News initiatives and all, all right. that stuff. So. Well, perfect, guys. That's going to do it for us today right here on the ultimate crossover in the NFC East right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll see you guys tomorrow.